0: Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. I stood at the back door today talking to a bunch of different people and I just want to say why I love this church. I love this church because of you. You guys are amazing. Listen, I know there's better preaching online. You can listen to 14,000 preachers online. I know you can listen to professional music, you know, professionally done and albums. and You can do all that. But do you know the one thing you can't get online? This. The One thing you can't get out there anywhere else is this. And we like each other, and we need each other. And I want to encourage you today, don't just come through the doors and run out the back doors. Let's take time actually being the church, not doing church. Let's be the church. Let's love one another, let's talk to one another. Take some time. I'm an introvert. Yeah, introverts need love too, right? And, and love for you might be somebody looking you square in the eye and saying hi. But you need that. By the way, um, without a smile, I read a bunch of stuff during COVID, and without a smile, depression rates go through the roof. You need somebody to look at you and smile. All right? So in a second, I'm going to have you smile at people, but let's start. Y'all ready? Knock, knock. Honda. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gate oh. All right, knock, knock. Dexter. Dexter. Dexter Halls with ball. <laughs> I'll be here all day. <laughs> all right. Uh, wow, wow. Love you too, Arnetta. You ever want to do something but you didn't know how much it was going to cost you to do it? All right, y'all think I'm the adventurous one. I am not the adventurous one in my family. This lady right here is the adventurous one in my family. No, it really is. I would be a couch potato book nerd, but she makes me do stuff. So a few years ago, we were down, um, we went to Cabo San Lucas, and we were down there for a couple of days. And she said, I want to take this excursion. It's to go swim and snorkel in the Sea of Cortez. All right. Do y'all know anything about the Sea of Cortez? It's deep. (laughs) Real deep. And that means it's cold. I don't care where it is, it's cold, cold. It's Pacific water, it's cold. So it's January and it's cold. And the place we go for this excursion, they give us wetsuits. Well, everybody else got a wetsuit, but me, I got like this glorified t-shirt with holes in it. (laughs) I'm not kidding. It was bad. So anyway, we go to the edge of where the drop-off on the Sea of Cortez is, where it goes from like 40 feet to 300 feet. So the water is incredibly cold and there's a rock outcropping right there on the edge of where the drop-off is. And that's where the seals lived. And they took us to go to the seals. Well, it's, we're doing good if it's 65 degrees. And the water, maybe 65 degrees. So here we go, out there, into the middle of... Water with rock outcroppings with a drop-off 300 feet right where they Where we stopped is where it went to 300 feet And everybody is like all right, let's go jump in the water and play with the baby seals Now, let me just preface this by saying I hate being cold <laughs> For me perfection would be hundred degrees where I can take my shirt off and my belly can watch the sunshine that's awesome. You know what's not cold for me. All right, what's it's not awesome for me cold But you know what I did that morning. I jumped in the water anyway Shivering freezing and The baby seals were there. I'm not sure if you've ever done anything like this before But I was snorkeling down and I went underwater down and there was a baby seal looked up at me And I stuck my fist out like this and that baby seal put his mouth over my fist He didn't bite me, he was playing with me. It was so cool, literally. (laughs) It was, no, it was one of the most awesome memories of my life, that day is one of the most awesome memories of my life. But do you know at what cost that came? Freezing to death. Literally, when I got out of the water, I was shivering uncontrollably because I was freezing. Because every great memory and every great thing you accomplish in life, there's a cost to it. Are y'all following me? And a lot of us, we never have the great memories because we don't pay the great costs. What I want to talk to you about today is I want to talk to you about a guy who analyzed the cost to be faithful to God. And he paid it. And that guy... Well, let's just read his story. So would you stand to your feet in honor of God's Word? Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to, here's our guy for the day, what's his name? Joseph. Joseph. All right. But before they came together, he was found, she was found, that would be really odd. (laughs) She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph her husband was come on this is key right here the key to the whole message he was what faithful to the law. Yeah. he was faithful to the law he was faithful and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace he had in mind to divorce her quietly but after he had considered this He did what the angel Lord had commanded him. He did what he was commanded. He took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So, Father, thank you today for your word. Pray that um, we would learn the lesson from Joseph and that we would be faithful to God. We ask that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, before you're seated... Remember what I said about you need somebody to give you a big smile, look you in the eye? Why don't you look three or four people in the eye, give them a big smile, and tell them hi. Andy, can you drop a little bit more of the ring? Oh, by the way, along with our 21 days of prayer and fasting, I would like to remind you that we do have prayer every Saturday morning up here in the chapel at 8.30 a.m. I want to encourage you, if you can come by any Saturday, to be a part of it. If you're, uh, if you're um, um, wow, I didn't even realize this. If you come the next couple of weeks, I won't be here because I'm going to be in Nicaragua with our team. And uh, yeah, we've got 30 people going to Nicaragua this upcoming Friday. So yeah. Let's do it if you're going on a trip stand up stand up if you're going on a trip stand up all right here's what we're gonna do y'all ready Clap all you want, but we want your prayers. We don't want your claps. We want your prayers. We're going to Nicaragua, people. This is uh, this is not the Bahamas, all right? So would y'all say a prayer for everybody on our team? Let's do it right now. Father, we pray over every person taking this trip to Nicaragua that we would represent Jesus Christ really well. We pray that you would cause the trip to be smooth, that everything would go well, it would go smooth, there would be uh, no nobody left or n- nothing crazy like that. We pray that the job we go to do, we'd do it well, that the people there would be blessed, and that we would accomplish the task to which we're sent. And I also pray that nobody on this team come home the same. But when we come home, we come home with a heart of compassion and love for the lost and for a new desire to make an impact on the kingdom of God. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 All right. So every year we try to take those missions trips. If you've never been on one, then you need to go on one. If you've never been on one, you need to go on a missions trip. (coughs) Missions trips, not so much for them as it is for you, because it'll mess you up really, really good. (laughs) And we all need to be messed up really good. The world's messed us up really bad. Maybe we do something right and we get messed up really good. Hmm. All right, our story today. Passage reveals three statements about Joseph, a man who is faithful. The first thing we know is that Joseph was faithful to God. Now, I I read again the entire Christmas story, and I found out a couple things about Joseph during the Christmas story. Y'all ready for this? There's only one description of him given the entire time. There's no description about anything about him physically. There's no description about anything except that he's faithful to God. The only description given of this man is that he's faithful to God. By the way... I'll say this again later, but in the entire text, Joseph doesn't say a word. Hmm, Interesting. So how was his faithfulness manifested? Well, his faithfulness was manifested in five ways I want to talk to you about. They're all C words, and there are five different ways we see in the text that he showed himself to be faithful. The first was he had compassion. He had compassion. You remember the story is Mary comes to him and says, "Oh, by the way, I'm pregnant," <laughs> and he says, "That ain't mine." <laughs> now, can you imagine the tension in that moment? According to the law, if you do your research, according to the law, Joseph in that moment had the right to have her stoned. And I'm not talking, oh, issue one or issue two stoned. I'm talking stoned. Okay. <laughs> They're all issues. It's just how bad of an issue it is. Anyway. Here, here Joseph is. He has a, she can be stoned. She can be killed for what she's done. Being pregnant out of wedlock. And Joseph does something. He makes it seem like he's responsible. Even though he wasn't. Because an angel appeared to him and said, Hey, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. So you know what he did? Even though he could have done one thing, he chose The way of compassion, it literally says that he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. He didn't want to hurt her. He had compassion on her. He loved her. He was a guy whose heart was soft towards others. So the first thing about being faithful is you care about other people. And then he contemplated. This is one of my favorite parts of this story, is he contemplated. It says in the text that uh, he considered this. He literally considered. An angel come, talks to him in a dream. It's, this isn't like Mary's angel, you know. Mary's angel like appeared to her and talked to her face to face. Joseph has a dream. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had all kinds of weird dreams. Anybody have weird dreams? I've seen things in my dreams that are a little weird. But he sees and hears a message in a dream. And he contemplates it. He thinks about it. To me, this is like... Dean Morningstar. Now, we have seven deacons on our board. And of those seven deacons on our board, in a conversation, we demand, I demand conversation out of our deacons. If we're going to have any kind of discussion, I demand conversation. I demand it. Because I did not invite you, we didn't invite you to be a leader in this church if you're going to sit there like a bump on a log. I want to know what you think. I want to know what your thoughts are, your experiences. I want you to add your input. Anybody that's ever been in that room will tell you that's what we demand. The problem is, Dean doesn't know what he thinks until a week later. <laughs> Picking on you, buddy. The reason is because he. Considers things. And I just wanted to say a word to some of you. You've sort of felt backward your entire life because you like to stop and ruminate and think about things rather than immediate reaction. And one of the things that made Joseph faithful was the fact that he just didn't knee-jerk react things. He actually thought through the ramifications of them. So he was compassionate, but he was also a contemplator. He contemplated The third thing is, is he complied. All right. Joseph moved his entire family from one town to another while his wife was pregnant to comply with Roman law. Okay? He complied. Now, we live in a world where, you know, we want to be rebels without a cause. Yeah, yeah. Everybody wants to be a rebel. Everybody's got to do their own thing. And you know one of the things I find? I find in this story over and over and over and over again that Joseph gets a message from God. Joseph gets a message from an authority. And he's always doing what he's told. There's something really to be said about people that obey the law. There's something faithful and righteous about people that do the right thing because it's the right thing to do and that's what they're supposed to do. Wow, you thought you were going to be inspired today. You didn't know you were going to come to church and hear do the right thing. Now, by the way, there was a time, though, when Joseph actually made a decision in his complying. He chose to comply to a higher authority rather than an earthly authority one time, though. There was a time that the earthly authorities were trying to kill his kids, right? Trying to kill Jesus. Jesus. And what did he do? He complied with a heavenly vision over an earthly authority. Guys, if you are a righteous person, there are going to be times that it's going to cost you on this earth for you to follow Jesus. Because there are times that you will have to comply to heaven and resist earth. Remember the apostles? They said, we can, they beat them and told them to stop preaching about Jesus and what they say. We cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. We must obey God rather than men. And I want to encourage you to be a person who complies to authority. All right. He complied to Roman rules. I wrote these down. Uh, Luke 2, 4, Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. So he obeyed the rules that he was supposed to. But, uh, and look also Luke chapter 2, verse 22. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So every time we look up, Joseph is doing what he's supposed to do. When he's supposed to do it. All right. He conveyed his faith. This is a big one to me. He conveyed his faith. He was faithful to teach his children the word of God. Now, what, why, why do I say this? Well, because he had three boys that we know of, that you know of. Uh, one of them, Jesus, the Savior of the world. But did you know Joseph had other kids? And he had a couple of daughters and a few sons. And one of his sons was a guy named James. You might know this James because this James wrote a book in your Bible called, real originally, James. (laughs) Okay, it's a great book. Anybody ever read it? Yeah. Yeah, you read James. When I read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Synoptic Gospels, and I read James, I hear the same family of origin. I I hear, do the right thing, do it now, you know, put your faith to work, let's get to this. It's the same family of origin. You know, hold on though, but he had another son. And that son's name was Jude. And by the way, Jude very originally wrote a book of the Bible. And that's named, come on, originally it's named? Jude. Jude. Anybody ever read that one? When I read that one, I read family of origin. We don't put up with junk. Let's do this. Let's get it right. You know, I know, I know. Joseph and my dad were a lot alike by the way James and Jude talk And the way Jesus talked. I mean my my brother went off to um, He went to military to uh, what do you call that uh, boot camp? He goes off to boot camp and he comes back and we're playing basketball after he comes back from boot camp We're standing outside and I said so it was boot camp hard?" and he said no I said, well, everybody tells me it's hard, it's difficult. He said, hey, listen, they run you like coach does in three a days. And the other thing is, if they tell you to do something, you do it. It's just like living with dad. <laughs> so boot camp was no issue for him because he was trained by my father. You do what you're told, when you're told, how you're told, and there is no other argument. That was my childhood, Right? And, uh, by the way, I believe that's Jesus and James and Jude's childhood because Joseph was a dude. He didn't say a lot, but his impression is left on his children. I read this quote. And, and by the way, we, we're talking three people who wrote the scriptures, <laughs> basically. And... So we know that he conveyed his faith and he pressed the scriptures onto his kids because his kids show an interaction with the scriptures. Are y'all following me with this? I'm not reaching too much here. This is really obvious, all right? I was reading... um This quote, it's by Julie Pratt in the Influence magazine. She said, interacting with scripture is critical for the spiritual growth of young people. In fact, reading the Bible during childhood is the biggest predictor of whether a person will practice Christianity as an adult. And she gives her research findings where that's at. Biggest predictor. You know, talking to my dad, I'll tell you, I grew up in a house. My dad was a man. And it's alright to be a man. It's alright to be a man. My, my dad was a man, okay? He was a man's man. He was about six foot four, weighed about two twenty-five. I've never seen him grab a hold of anything until he got sick later in life. I never saw him grab a hold of anything that didn't move. He was a man's man. My dad had two boys with ADHD. <laughs> okay? You can imagine what our household was like. All right? At night, my dad would say, every night, boys. Come in here, sit down. We would come in, we would sit on the couch. Dad would open up the Bible because Dad couldn't read. My dad taught himself how to read reading the Bible. But he didn't want to read. We all knew how to read, so he'd give the Bible to me or my brother, and he'd make us read the Bible. And then, after we read, he would make us kneel down at the couch while he prayed. Dad was not eloquent. Dear Lord God my dad was not eloquent his heart was great but he prayed with passion but he said the same phrases over and over and over again but with his heart he cried out for his boys to be saved and he cried out for our lives to be changed and I wonder why me and my brother are following Jesus because dad set an example by conveying his faith to us he didn't do it perfectly But he did it. Dads, listen to me. Moms, yes. Yes. Moms, you're going to do this because this is who you are. But can I talk to dads because you don't want to? Do it anyway. Force your family to sit down, read the Bible, and pray a prayer over them. I don't care if it's Jesus. Help me not to kill these knotheads. Amen. (laughs) They know you're praying for them at least. I'm not kidding you. I want you to convey your faith to the next generation. The last one, he was consistent. Joseph was consistent. He showed up where he was supposed to be, when he was supposed to be. He showed up. Luke 2.16 is a perfect example. So they found Mary and Joseph and the baby in the manger. Yeah, Joseph could have found 15 reasons to be asleep or do something else. Do you know where he was? where he was supposed to be. When they're at the temple, dedicating him, where's Joseph? There. Joseph was always where he was supposed to be when he was supposed to be there. And there's something to be said about the consistency of a faithful person. By the way, the Bible tells me in 2 Timothy 2 2, to entrust to reliable people the work of the ministry. I really don't care how talented you are. We had somebody come up to us the other day and ask about if they could sing on the platform. And I'm like, I don't care. I don't care if you can sing like Mariah Carey. (laughs) I I don't care. You know, Mariah Carey, somebody offered her a vacant piece of land for Christmas. And you know what she said? I don't want a lot for Christmas. (laughs) Sorry, I, it was just right there. <laughs> do you know what I said to that person that told me that they wanted to sing on our platform here at the church? I said, I don't care. I want your heart. I want you to be devoted to Christ. I want you to follow Jesus with all your heart because if we get your heart, we'll get your talents. But you know what? If we get your talents, do you know what we get? Your talents for a second because you're going to be out the door as soon as you get a better opportunity. And you know what God wants out of you? Your heart. Because your heart... Is the best thing you got to give. All right, I got I got two more points. I got five minutes to do it. Y'all ready? All right, here we go. Joseph shared his faith experiences with those close to him. One of the things we know is Joseph had a lot of experiences here. We read about those experiences. He is called. I read an article. They called him the silent saint. And it says, The only character description we're given of Joseph is that he was faithful to the law. Ours is a world drowning in word. In Joseph, the silent saint, I see a different way of being, a way of silence and action, where sometimes the most important words are the ones we don't speak. I read that in a devotion. I thought, that is good. That's Joseph. Do you know how many quotes there are of Joseph? Not a single word from Joseph in the story. Not a word But his testimony is everywhere Joseph didn't say the words to be quoted, but Joseph told the words to people close to him Because every dream Joseph had and the message of every dream is passed along through somebody else Wow, all right, so Joseph didn't practice his righteousness for public approval Some people aren't meant to be in front of people. I had a talk with somebody the other day and said, you're more like a colon in the body of Christ than you are a hand in the body of Christ. But I thank God I've got a colon because something's got to deal with all the crap. (laughs) Joseph had a son. And his son in James chapter 2 verse 4 said, a person is considered righteous by what they do. Not by just how they talk, not by their faith, by the words of braggadociousness, but how do you live? I call it the golden plunger award. So Pastor Matt was uh, a 15-year-old boy. We had a youth pastor back then that was a really good cult leader. He, uh, that's another way of describing it. My wife's telling me to be nice. I fired him, just so you know. I wasn't going to put up with it, so I fired him. There were a bunch of people in the room that night. There were a bunch of people in the room that night. I mean a bunch. We had the youth pastor. We had all the youth leaders. We had all the people who wanted to be on the platform all the time and look good and all that kind of stuff. A bunch of people in the room. A toilet got clogged. Do you know where every, there were like five people that when the toilet got clogged, do you know where they went? To a 15-year-old boy named Matt Crow. And I I realized that night, I realized something. The real leader is the person that helps you deal with your crap. Are y'all following me? It's the Golden Plunger Award. I can tell you who a leader is by the person you know who's faithful enough to deal with all the junk that nobody else wants to deal with. Do you know what your family needs? A leader. You know what your church needs? A leader. You know what your community and your workplace really needs? A leader. a leader. Somebody that doesn't have to look big for a show, but will carry the plunger because when things are stinking and going crazy, they know you will keep your head and deal with it. And that is Joseph who raised Jesus, who raised James, who raised Jude. And all three of them had the same message be faithful by your actions. Those closest to him knew who he was and what he did and the faith he had. Matthew 1.20, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream (laughs) and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived of her is from the Holy Spirit. By the way, Joseph is probably dead before Jesus is ever crucified. Uh, The average life expectancy of a male in those days was 32 years of age. Yeah, a, the very, very low. So here's the deal. If the life expectancy was that low and Joseph was already 20 or so, guess what? Dead. All right. Matthew chapter 2 verse 13. So, so how do we know what Joseph's dream was? Because he told somebody. He passed it along. Matthew chapter 2 verse 13. When he had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Here it is again. Get up, take the child his mother, and escape to Egypt. Stay there till I tell you. Matthew 2:19. Go to the next one. Matthew 2:19. 19. Uh, after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph. Uh, can you go to the next one? Yeah. Appeared in a dream to Joseph. So Joseph has three dreams. Each one of the dreams gives him direction. We don't know anything about this except that, y'all ready for this? Joseph got up, told his wife and anybody else who would listen because he's sharing his experience. He told it and then he did it. So how do we know what the angel said? Because Joseph didn't keep his personal faith experience private. I wrote a book years ago. Please don't read it. It's not done. Uh, (laughs) It's not that bad. (laughs) I, I wrote a book. I wrote a book. And the reason I wrote the book was this. I went through a faith crisis where I... Really was at the edge of my faith almost lost it and I wanted to explain to my kids what I was going through I wanted them to know my story I wanted it to be documented so my kids would know when they ran into a crisis of faith It's our right to have a crisis because you can come out the other side with a stronger faith than when you go in All right. Do you have those conversations with your family? When you have a crisis When you have something happen, do you share it? Or do you just keep it bottled up inside? Share with those you love. All right. The last thing is Joseph's faith was proved by his actions. Uh, When God spoke, Joseph took action. Um, Yeah. Anyway, Matthew one twenty-four. When Joseph woke up, he did. What the angel of God had commanded him. Joseph was a guy who did what God said. From our text today, this is what we found out. He took Mary to be his wife, even though the child wasn't his. He didn't consummate the marriage, putting her first instead of him. Think of that. He gets married to her and doesn't consummate the marriage because he wants to make sure he honors the child and her. Wow. Wow. Thirdly of all, he named the child Jesus the way he was commanded. There are three times that he acted on exactly what he was told to do. What he was told to do is what he did. We also find out from other passages about Joseph. The law said to dedicate and circumcise the child on the eighth day. So guess where he was on the eighth day? In Jerusalem, circumcising and dedicating the child. He did it. An angel said to flee to Egypt. What did he do? He picked up his entire family and moved to Egypt. An angel said to go back to Israel. Guess what? He did it. Every time he was told what to do, what do we know about Joseph? He did it. He was a man of action. He didn't have to talk because he did the right thing. Everybody knew it. Do you think Joseph really wanted to be looked at as the father of an out-of-wedlock child? And we know that that argument is made even in the New Testament. There's people that accuse Jesus of, (laughs) uh, of not being Joseph's son. And do you think Joseph really wanted to take a kid that wasn't his own and raise him knowing the whispers of the community? Hmm. Do you think Joseph really wanted to move four times? Come on, I have moved. Moving is bad. And in this story, in a matter of a few months, Joseph moves his family four times. Wow. Joseph chose to put his desires on the back burner So that he could be faithful to God's desires. We all want a faith that makes our life easier. But what if God called you to a faith that makes your life more difficult? Will you still be faithful if God asked you to do hard things? What if God asked you to sacrifice, to give, to serve, to love, to go the extra mile when you just want to quit? What if God... Ask you for that kind of... F- this is not American. The Americans don't like this. But you ready for this? God may not call you to a life of riches, peace, and joy. He may call you to a life of sacrifice, service, and giving. Ask Mother Teresa. You know, for years, it was considered honorable in the church to take up your cross and follow Jesus. But now, we only want to take up the gold-plated version of the cross. Will you be faithful when it's hard? Or will you only be faithful when things are easy? Matthew ten thirty-eight says this, Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. If you've got all of eternity to go, why are you arguing so much about a little bit of joy and happiness in this big of a span when there's all of eternity to go? i tell you why. Because we're selfish. And you know what God demands of us? Faithfulness. Joseph is an example. You want, you want to make an impact on generations to come for generations and generations and generations? Look at Joseph. He doesn't say a word that's quoted. But yet we're still talking about his faithfulness. Because only one description is given of him. He was faithful. So, here's my... Here's my sermon, boiled down to a sentence. Y'all ready? I started to give it to you earlier. I'm not going to do it earlier. I'll do it right now. You ready? Righteousness demands that we take responsibility. This whole message can be, you want to be a righteous person? It demands that you take responsibility. So um, George Wood was our former superintendent of the Assemblies of God. A former general superintendent. He tells a story of his uncle, Victor Plymeyer. Victor Plymeyer was a missionary to China and Tibet. And I've been there, and um, wow, what a part of the world. You don't go there unless you're committed to that. So um, he served 16 years. He went there in 1908 to Tibet, and he served 16 years before he won his first Tibetan convert to Jesus. Most people would have quit out of discouragement, but for 16 years, he continued to be faithful before his first convert. In his 19th year of missionary service, his only son at the age of six and his wife died within one week of each other from smallpox. The local cemetery refused to let him bury his wife and son there. So he... Did the only thing he could do. He went outside of town, bought a small of, plot of property, and there he dug in the middle of winter, and it is wicked cold in Tibet in winter. He dug a shallow hole in the ground and buried his wife and his six-year-old child in the hole. A few years ago, the church, uh, Victor Plymeyer's from Victor Plymeyer's town in China, wanted to officially reopen. And permission was denied them over and over again uh, because the church had no proof that the property or the buildings erected were actually by Victor Plymeyer and those who followed him. So they knew the story was true, but there were games to be played. So uh, there was a request sent back to the Assemblies of God Here in Springfield, Missouri, they they sent back a request and said, are there any building deeds, are there any deeds to this church that wants to reopen in China under communist oppression? Well, here's what happened. They found one deed. You want to guess what the deed was for? For some reason, Victor Plymeyer deeded the property of the burial place of his wife and son to the assemblies of God. He put it in the name of the church. So when it was time for the church to reopen, what he didn't understand and the pain that he endured of losing his wife and son, it's what allows now a thriving church to exist in China that wouldn't be allowed to exist if he hadn't been faithful so many years ago. Now my question to you this morning is this. Are you willing to be faithful? Listen, let's not get all touchy-feely this Christmas because I'm just not feeling Christmas that way. Can we get can we down dirty on Christmas? Let, let's just get base level. Are you going to do the right thing regardless? Are you going to continue just doing what you feel like doing? Everybody else in the world does what they feel like. How's it working for them? Have you noticed the way the world's going? Doesn't work so good. But where you find men and women of God being righteous, guess what? There we find freedom. So uh, they're passing out these communion elements. I'd like you to take yours. If you need a gluten-free, I believe they got a gluten-free option as well. Just catch one of these guys' eyes, they'll get it to you. So here's what I said we were going to do. Can we just sing the first verse of that song in the chorus, please? Let's make a declaration that we want to be part of the faithful. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to bed then come and behold Aren't you glad Jesus was faithful? Aren't you glad that um, he had an opportunity to call 10,000 angels and be rescued? But the book of Hebrews says that Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. He had a joy set before him and that joy was knowing that faithfulness pays off. And I think he may have looked into the future and saw your face and said if I'm faithful they're blessed. If I'm not faithful to the cross they won't have anything to celebrate and they're going to live just like everybody else. So I thank you Jesus that you picked up the cross that you died that you gave your life that you were faithful even though it cost you. You followed your dad's example and your dad's example both God Your true father and Joseph, your adoptive father, they both were faithful. They've been faithful. Thank you for following that example and for setting an example for us today. Let us turn our hearts to faithfulness, I pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let's partake. Jesus um, gave us this cup as an example of the new covenant in his blood that as often as you drink this cup and eat this bread you do proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. Jesus we thank you that you came the first time as a baby of faithfulness. Next time you come though it's going to be with the Lord and power and we choose right now to submit to the Lord of power because we know you're coming again. And we drink this cup in a remembrance of your second coming. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Let's partake together. Could you stand? Let's sing this um, together again. I, I realize there may be a lot of you that you need somebody to pray with you this Christmas. Maybe things aren't working right. Maybe you physically need a healing. Maybe you need to give your heart to Christ. We've got people standing up here right now that would love to pray with you before you get out the door. Let's sing this again, and then I'll dismiss in a second. Oh, come all ye faithful.